Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. Good afternoon, 1230. Great to see you guys this afternoon. Um, Let me say how thankful I am for you and happy Thanksgiving. Uh, It's that season. Can you believe we're saying that? Uh, We are here, but we're going to head back to Titus. If you missed last week, let me say you miss a power pack message from Pastor Feridun. If there's anyone that could minister to us about the doctrine of suffering, it is someone from the nation of Iran who has undergone persecution to be able to minister that hard truth to us. But today we're back to Titus. So Titus chapter 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Acts chapter 13. Um, we just sang a song of faith, and that song was, I give my life to the king. I want you to remember that when the aunt that you don't like comes to Thanksgiving meal, remember you gave your life to the king because he gave his life for you. So the family that you don't like and the friends that you don't like that are coming over, love them. You know why? God loves you. And he loves them as well. And remember, you've given your life to him. Now, I love Thanksgiving, and I can't wait for Wednesday. Five o'clock, our food truck. Now, I need to let you know something. Our sound equipment was stolen at harvest. So we don't have a sound equipment. So we were going to do this thing of like, you know, speaking to everybody from the crowd. Now we need you to come and speak to everyone in the crowd on a more one-on-one personal basis. You see, I believe that God allows everything for a reason. And I think he wants our whole body to be a part of Wednesday at five o'clock. That's our food truck where we're going to have our Thanksgiving meal together as a a church. Now, it's not going to be turkey. It'll be pupusas. But we... I actually think we're having pupusas. I may have just dug a six-foot grave right there. Um, But it's an opportunity for us all to be together. And I just want to encourage you to be here and be part of our Thanksgiving communion service as we give thanks to God for his son, Jesus Christ. You see, maybe this year add a little bit more spirituality into Thanksgiving. Instead of letting it be the American holiday, let it be the day that the Lord has made and rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? All right, Titus 1, let's go to the Lord in prayer before we begin our study. Our Father, we're so grateful for your word and how it ministers to us. And now we come before you asking that you would give us insight so that we could hear the Holy Spirit and respond to your spirit in our lives and in our world. Speak truth to us. A truth that comes directly from your word to our ears and our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Titus chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of the truth which accords with godliness, in hope of eternal life which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began, but has in due time manifested his word through preaching, 
which was committed to me, according to the commandment of God our Savior, to Titus, a true son in our common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior. For this reason, verse 5, I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. Did you hear that? For this reason, I left you in Crete. Church, do you know that God has a reason for everything he does and everything he tells us to do? He's got a reason for why you're at this church. He's got a reason for why you live in your community. He knows every aspect of our life. He's got a reason for everything he does. In fact, the psalmist would write in Psalm chapter 139, verse 16, he would say, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they're all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. You know everything about me even before I existed. You know all of my details. In fact, earlier in this psalm, David would say, Psalm 139, verse 1, O Lord, you've searched me and know me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. In other words, you know every detail about my life. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. Do you know that God knows exactly what you're thinking right now? I don't like that shirt that Pastor Chet is wearing. (laughs) He knows. He knows what you're thinking. And do you know that he knows what you're about to think? He knew it. He knew what you were just thinking. It's our God. He knows every detail about our life. That's why Jesus says, don't worry. Don't worry. God's got all the details worked out. He says we're just to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's what he says in uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Don't worry about your life. Because when we worry about details, it prevents us from seeing kingdom business right in front of us. In fact, let me prove it to you even further. In Jeremiah, God says something to Jeremiah. It's chapter 1, verse 4. Look what he says to Jeremiah. Then the word of the Lord come to me. In other words, I'm having my devotions and God spoke to me. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. In other words, I set you apart before you were even born. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. God not only knows the details of our life, he knows why he's made us. So he says, just seek me. Advance the kingdom in the territory that's been assigned to you in the same way there was territory assigned to Jeremiah and to Titus. You see, Titus, Titus was left in Crete for a reason The same way you've been left in L.A. for a reason. Do you know that? You've been left in L.A. for a reason. 
God has placed you in this church for a reason. God has placed you in your neighborhood for a reason. So if you live in Carson, don't desire to move to Gardena. And if you live in Gardena, don't desire to move to Carson. And if you live in Gardena and Carson, don't desire to move to Torrance. And if you live in Torrance, don't desire to move to Redondo Beach. Well, maybe we all desire to move to Redondo Beach. You see, I live in San Pedro. I love my little town. I drive down the 110. I see that smokestack. I pray, Lord, please don't let me get lung cancer. And then I go into my little town. I get to know everyone that's there. God placed me in San Pedro for a reason. Listen, let me tell you something. He's placed you at your work for a reason. He's placed you at your club for a reason. He's placed you at your Vons, at your Ralph's for a reason. Because the Bible says in Jeremiah 29, verse 11, I know the plans I got for you. I know what I'm doing with your life. You're not here by accident or mistake. There's a reason. For this reason, I left you in Crete. You see, we're to make the most of the life that he's given us. We got to stop looking to Carson as our answer, Gardena as our answer, or Tennessee. I got to get out of California. You see, God has called us to make the most of the life that he's given us because it's for a reason. Let's go all the way back to the beginning. God, he placed Adam and Eve in the garden and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply. It was their world. They were responsible for their world. In fact, he said to them, tend the garden. Before there was sin, he said, go to work. Now, I know for Gen Z and millennials in here, that is complete disruption to their personal theology. I read an article about Gen Z this past week, and there's this girl on the front cover, and she's like this. And out of her mouth, she's saying, I can't believe my boss wants me to work nine to five. Every generation says it about the other. Your parents said it about you, that you don't work as hard as them, and your grandparents said it about your parents. We always ridiculed the generation below us as those that don't work hard, but I need to let you know, work was a part of perfection. God told Adam and Eve, tend the garden. You're responsible for your surroundings. St. Francis de Salas, he said this, Truly charity has no limit, for the love of God has been poured into our hearts by his Spirit dwelling in each one of us, calling us to a life of devotion and inviting us to bloom in the garden where he has planted and directing us to radiate the beauty and spread the fragrance of the providence of God. Now, many of us, you've heard the term, bloom where you're planted. It's not a biblical term. It was spoken by St. Francis. And what the truth of that statement is, Adam and Eve were responsible to be fruitful and multiply where they were at. Now, you might say, but my life is miserable in Carson. My life is miserable in Gardena. Do you know where I live? Do you understand what's going on in my life? Do you have any idea what's going on in my family? I can't believe it. Let me tell you something. It can't be as bad as what God told the children of Israel. Do you remember? They were forced out of Israel as slaves, and they were brought to Babylon in exile. 
And while they were living in that miserable existence, listen to what God says to them. It's Jeremiah 29. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive. I know you're miserable. You're living as slaves in another land that's not your own. Whom I've caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. This is me. I put you in Carson. I put you in Gardena. I put you in Torrance. There's a reason. So he says this. Build houses. Dwell in them. Plant gardens. Eat their fruit. Take wives and beget sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to your husbands so that they might bear sons and daughters. It's the same direction to the people that were miserable where they're at that the same that he gave Adam and Eve in the garden. Be fruitful and multiply. I've placed you there for a reason that you may be increased there and not diminished and seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for L.A. I added that. (laughs) For in its peace, you will have peace. There's a reason in God's great plan why he has placed you where you are. Moving away from thinking, like, I got to get out of here, it limits you to what God has for you right where you're at. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians. I want you to see this. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I'm going to pick it up in verse 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I'll pick it up there in verse 20. Once again, 1 Corinthians 7, verse 20. Let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called. Then maybe you will underline that. Were you called while a slave? Don't be concerned about it, but if you can be made free, rather use it. For he who is called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freeman. Likewise, he who is called while free is Christ's slave. Verse 23 of chapter 7. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. Look at verse 24. Brethren, let each one remain with God in the state in which he was called. We're to remain in the same calling to which we were called. In other words, don't wait for God to call you somewhere else before you're fruitful and multiply. You know your calling by where you currently are. That's your calling. For example, if you're a husband, you're called to be a husband. Surprise? If you're a wife, you're called to be a wife. If you're called and you live in Gardena, guess what? You're called to Gardena. If you live in Torrance, you're called to Torrance. If you live in Long Beach, you're called to Long Beach. If you live in San Pedro, you're called to San Pedro. You know your calling by where God has placed you. I left you in Crete for a reason, he told Titus, and he left you where you are for a reason as well. You have been placed where you are in life for a reason. And he tells us what the reason is. The Bible says, going back to Titus chapter 1, I left you in Crete, he says, for this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking. Paul has just gotten out of the Roman jail, 
Some theologians believe that he had gone to Spain, and while he was going to Asia Minor, he passed by Crete in the Mediterranean Sea, and he stayed there. Now, we don't know how Christianity spread in Crete, but we believe that because Cretans were there at the day of Pentecost, and they heard the gospel, some got saved in Acts chapter 2, went back to the island of Crete, and they started churches. When when Paul showed up, he realized, okay, we got a few issues that we need to work with, but he couldn't stay there long. So he leaves Titus there to put things in order, and I'm going to tell you why. Putting things in order is important to God. Putting things in order is important to God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33, for God's not the author of confusion, but a peace, as in all the churches of the saints. You see, we're the church, and we're called to be people of order. The Bible goes on to say in verse 40, let all things be done decently and in order. Now, I need to help you understand this word order. It's a medical word. It's our word ortho. Now, that may not make any sense to you now, but these two words will. Orthopedic and orthodontists. You've heard those before. You see, what this medical term means is something is broken or something is crooked and someone corrects it, takes something crooked and makes it straight. That's what orthopedics do. They take broken bones and they make them straight. Orthodontists, they take crooked teeth and they make them straight. But can I tell you, it's a difficult task to set things in order. When my son was younger, Timon, one year he broke his toe. Second year, he broke both bones in his arm. In the third year, consecutively, he broke his femur. So I went to the orthopedic and I said to the orthopedic who was a friend of mine, I go, hey, Timon was out of the room. I go, hey. Let us know, like, is something wrong with him? Like, I mean, has he got a bone deficiency? What's going on? And the orthopedic said to me, yeah, something's wrong with him. You're his father. (laughs) He goes, you're an adventure junkie, and so is your son. So he's going to break things every single day because you try things you shouldn't try, and he's going to do things that he shouldn't do. You're the problem. I looked at him, and I go, well, God bless you, and I walked out of the office. (laughs) But when... Timon broke his femur, and the orthopedic had to go into the hospital to set it. Every blessed person in the hospital heard Timon scream. Because sometimes when you take crooked things and you make them straight, it hurts. It's painful to set things in order. I mean, just go to the orthodontist when you have braces. Do you remember when they used to tighten the wires and your whole mouth felt like you were being pulled apart like this and you couldn't eat anything but soup for days because your teeth hurt so bad? Let teenagers say amen. Amen. You see, I used to go into my kid's room and bring them much pain. I would go into my room and I would say to my children, I would go, God does not live in this room. This room is the author of confusion. And God wants to live in this room. 
So you need to take this chaos and you need to bring it into order because God is not the author of confusion. He does everything decently and in order. And you know what my children would do? I have to make my bed. I have to fold my clothes. Because sometimes when you te- parents are going, that's a good one. I'm going to use that. It'll bring pain to your children. It'll bring pain. Because putting things in order sometimes brings pain. And in a sense, the world is crooked and the Lord is the orthopedic. He's the doctor to fix it and make it straight. He's been doing this for a long time. Go all the way back with me. You'll see it on the screen in Isaiah. Isaiah 42. Take a look at verse 16. I'll bring the blind by way they did not know. I will lead them. This is God speaking in the past that they've not known. I'll make darkness light before them and crooked places straight. It's just what God does. He makes crooked things straight. These things I'll do for them and not forsake them. I'll go before you and make the crooked places straight. Once again in Isaiah 45, it's just the business of God to make crooked things straight. It goes all the way back to the beginning. Do you remember that the earth was void and without form? Complete chaos. And God said, let there be light. And he took the chaos and he made order. And over the course of six days, he orderly put elements into order and created the heavens and the earth. And then he rested On the seventh day. This is the business of God. He takes chaos and he puts, he speaks it into order. This stretches all the way to the ministry of Jesus. Speaking, John the Baptist, he says this in John Luke chapter 3, as it's written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. You see, the ministry of making straight, crooked things straight was given to John the Baptist because Jesus would make crooked things straight. Do you remember the very first thing he did in ministry? He's on his way to worship in Jerusalem. And there was a lot of crookedness going on in the temple. In fact, poor people would bring their turtle doves And they would bring it to the priest and they would say, here's my turtle dove. Oh, no, 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 we can't take that one. But you can buy this turtle dove for $50. This one we'll accept, but yours, you might as well just let it go. We can't accept that one. We're going to use religion. We're going to use the temple for financial gain. And when Jesus walked up to worship and he found people doing business, He took those crooked money changers and he threw the tables. He let those doves go. He drove the sheep out of the temple and said, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. He took something crooked and he made it straight. Most important, let me tell you what he's done for me. He took this crooked man and he made me straight with God because of the power of the cross. It's just what Jesus does, and he did it for you. Amen? Amen. Amen. And like John the Baptist, we're ambassadors. 
We are ambassadors of God. So when we read Titus chapter 1, verse 5, this message was not just for Titus. The Holy Spirit is speaking to us. And listen, church, he's saying, you should set into order the things that are lacking. The church has a job to do. Just like Titus was left to complete the work, the church has been left over the last 2,000 years to set things in order. And can I tell you, the church is not a building. When people call and say, hey, where's the church? You know how we answer? We have no idea. They're all over L.A. We have no idea where you're at. You're all over L.A. Because you're the church. And I'm the church. We make up the church, not this building. And Titus, he was given the authority to accomplish the task of setting things in order from Paul. In like manner, we've been given the same authority. Let me give an example. When you get hired at Walmart, let's just say you get hired as the health and beauty manager. The general manager... Is tells you and gives you direction and says, your responsibility in lawn and garden, toys, wherever you're the manager, your responsibility is to set things in order. Your responsibility is to make sure that the shelves are stocked. Your responsibility is to make sure that the floors are clean, that your employees are doing what they're supposed to do. And I'm the general manager and I'm giving you the authority to do it. In the same way, when you get saved, God gives you the direction, set things in order, and he's also given you the authority to do it. You don't have to wait for a calling. He's already placed you in Carson, in Torrance, in Gardena, in Long Beach, in San Pedro. He's already shown you where you're at, and he's saying, I've given you the authority, so do something where you are. And whatever is out of order in your world, you have the authority to put it in order from Jesus Christ. Can I tell you the first place to look? The first place to look is your life. You see, Titus was a man. Think of the man that Titus had to be. Titus was a man of order. That's why Paul trusted him to set things in order. Paul had given him a great task. Do you remember what we learned two weeks ago about the Cretans? We learned they were liars. We learned they were evil beasts. We learned they were lazy gluttons. And what Paul is saying, Titus, I know you're a truth teller, not a liar. I know you're good, not evil. I know you're hardworking. You're not a lazy glutton. You've got the courage and the integrity to be countercultural in Crete. So Titus, I've left you there. See, Paul would tell Titus, you've got to sharply rebuke them. You need to shut their mouths. And there's no way that Titus could shut their mouths if he was living a life of compromise. He was a man of truth. He was a good man. He was hardworking. That's why he was able to be left there by Paul. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, I want to go back there for a moment because I want to highlight a different word. Take a look if you would. Let all things be done decently and in order. 
Remember, we're looking at our own lives in the same way that Paul looked at Titus' life and says, I'm going to leave you here because you're a man of order. And we're looking at our own lives, and I want to understand what this word decently means. It means honorable and honest. See, if you're going to set some order in your own life, you've got to ask yourself some questions. Is there some hypocrisy in your life that needs to be set in order. Because parents, you can't tell your kids to stop cursing if you have a potty mouth. And employers, you can't tell your staff to be on time if you're always late. And husbands, you can't tell your wives to submit if you're not loving her as Christ loves the church. Notice only the women are clapping. So I'm going to say this. Wives, you can't tell your husbands to love you as Christ loved the church if you're unwilling to submit. I just created marital confusion. (laughs) You see, I believe the Lord is gracefully getting our attention today. He wants to set things in order in our life. He's given us the word, set things in order. And let me tell you something about the word. It comes from 2 Timothy chapter 3. Look carefully. All scripture, including Titus 1.5... All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. In other words, came from God's mouth straight to your ears. And is profitable for doctrine. That means teaching. I just taught you Titus 1.5. For reproof. That word is a legal word. It means you're convicted. You're proven guilty. You know there's some things that you need to set in order in your life. The next word is for correction. There it is. God takes crooked things and he corrects them and makes them straight. And then he says, the word of God is useful for instruction or training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. God wants to take the crooked places of your life and make them straight. But you might be sitting there going, I like some of the crooked things in my life. I mean, everyone's got a little crooked. And sometimes I don't feel like straightening out some things that are crooked in my life. I mean, this is the way that I've been my whole life. I've had a little crooked in me my whole life. I mean, I'm a basically good person. What do you mean he's going to straighten every crooked place out? Well, I don't feel like I want some of my crooked places dealt with. So I'm going to give you some advice that Solomon gave. Take a look. It's Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. So when he tells you to set things in order, trust the Lord, not your feelings. Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't listen to your feelings. In all your ways, not some of them, in all your ways acknowledge him, he will make straight your path. He wants to take every crooked part of you and make it straight. It's just what God does. So how can I make it straight? We set it in order by confessing our sin. And he'll be faithful and just to forgive us of that sin. 
Because can I tell you, church, the last thing you want is Jesus coming into your life and turning up some tables. He is gracefully making his appeal. Set your life in order. The next place to look is your home. The next place to look is your home. Those closest to you. Let me ask you, does your marriage need to be set in order? Does your kids need to be set in order? Does your family need to be set in order? You see, we're going to study next week the first thing that Paul told Titus to set in order was establish leadership. And I want to read that. Go look with me at Titus chapter 1, verse 6. I want you to see something so important. He goes, I want you to make leaders. And now he says in verse 6, Here's a leader. If a man is blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children not accused of dissipation or insubordination. For a bishop or a leader must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, self-controlled, holding fast the faithful word as he'd been taught, that he may be able, by sound doctrine, both to exhort and to convict those who contradict. Do you notice popular was not in the list? Did you notice billionaire was not in the list? Because God don't care about your money and doesn't care how famous you are. He cares about your family and that it's set in order and that your life, your character is set in order. To God, that's a leader. God's leaders don't come out of Hollywood. God's leaders are sitting in these pews. And he is looking for people of character that have put their family into order. And we got to remember what we learned in 2 Timothy. Order comes from God's word. All scripture brings order into our lives. Now, church, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, the Bible exhorts families, teach your children the word when you come out of the house and when you go in, when they lie down and when they wake up. Give them the word of God. Can I tell you how, how vital family devotions are to setting your home in order. Husbands, are you washing your wives with the word? Parents, are you washing your children with the word of God? And some of us, we make such a big deal of family devotions. Like, I don't know if we can do that. I mean, you want me to teach the word of God in my home? Like, we've never done that before. It's directed by God. Family devotions are vital, parents. And let me tell you why. How many of you as parents have done the very things that you said you would never do when your parents did it to you. And I want to see hands. How many of you have done the things as parents that you wished you never would have done and said you would never do, but you've done it as a parent? Go ahead, raise your hand. Go ahead, raise your hand. Right. You know why? We're imperfect. We're imperfect. But there's one perfect thing that we can do. We can read the Word of God to our children, and the Word of God is perfection. We used to do it at 6.30 a.m. Andre and I would start singing. This is the day. This is the day. And then we would hear in the bedrooms. That the Lord has made. 
we will rejoice, we will rejoice. Then you hear the bedroom, and be glad it is. <laughs> and then they would come out. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And sometimes we'd go in their rooms. And we wouldn't sing. We would do this. Rise and shine and give God the glory, glory. Rise and shine. They go, ah! And every morning we would impart the perfect word of God into our children because we know that we're imperfect. And the Bible says, train in a, way, a child in the way they should go. And in the end, and I have watched that truth in my children's lives. And I raised child soldiers from Africa. I have watched them come to the Lord because of the perfect word of God. We need to set our families in order. But Paul, he's telling Titus, put the church in order. There are things that are going in the church that you need to put in order. And I want to thank all of you for your complaints. I mean emails. (laughs) Of what we should do what we shouldn't do, what I should wear, and what I shouldn't wear. I have clothes police. I can't even listen to you when you wear that. Well, I'm wearing it today. How you feel? No, no, no. That's not the order that Paul is talking about, even though I appreciate all those wonderful emails. You see, we're going to see as we study the book of Titus, the order that he's speaking about is sound doctrine. There were people in the church teaching things that were not true. And I want to tell you something. This church, Calvary Chapel South Bay, must teach the truth of God's word. Not our preferences, not our persuasions. Our responsibility is to be the pillar and the ground of truth in the world. We can't be moved by every wind and wave of doctrine. So many churches have become political. So many churches have become national. So many churches have become heretical. But I want to make a promise to you, Calvary South Bay. This church will remain biblical, speaking the truth of the word of God with love. Now, let me tell you something. Sometimes when I'm speaking the truth, I'm like an orthopedic and I'm setting the bone and you're going, "Ah, I don't like this. Because I have found when I speak the truth with love, there are those that will accept it and there will be those that reject it. It's just the truth of the word. But our responsibility is to set things in order in the world and it's founded on truth. Finally, Finally, we are called to set our world in order. Turn with me to Acts chapter 13, and this is where we close. Acts chapter 13, we're going to pick it up in verse 6. I want you to see what Paul does. Acts 13, verse 6, and let's look at his courage. Acts chapter 13, he's on his very first missionary journey, and he comes in contact with the enemy. Acts 13, now verse 6. Now, when they had gone through the island to Paphos, now this is different than Crete, they found or they ran into a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar Jesus, who was with the proconsul, 
Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. This man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elimus, the sorcerer, for so his name is translated, withstood them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Then Saul, who is also called Paul, so his name is changed, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, Oh, full of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness. Can I let you know Paul did not struggle with clarity. (laughs) Will you not cease perverting or making crooked the straight ways of the Lord? And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him, And he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Then, once this was dealt with, once this crooked thing was made straight, then the proconsul believed when he saw what had been done, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Let me tell you something about Paul. Paul did something with something that was crooked. He made it straight. It was right in front of him. This guy was blocking the gospel from being put out. And Paul, he didn't shy away from it. He didn't say, ah, we better leave this place. It's a little difficult. Paul dealt with it. He seized the opportunity to make something crooked straight. God has placed you in your world to make crooked things straight. But the problem, like Elimus. When you go into your world to make crooked things straight, the world is going to come against you. In fact, in Acts chapter 17, speaking of Paul, he said, we've heard about these people all over the world. They're turning the world upside down. That's what the world believes. The world believes that when Christians come into the room, we're going to turn the world upside down. We're going to do something that's against them. But really what we're doing is making crooked places straight. We're turning the world right side up. So Christian, listen, you've been called into your world for a reason to set things in order. So if there's trash on your street, tend your garden, pick it up. If your garage needs to be organized, get her done. God has given you what he's given you and called you where you are called for a reason. How many of us will just pass by and not do anything about our surroundings when we've been called to Gardena, to Torrance, to Carson, to Long Beach, to San Pedro, to Redondo for a reason? Someone's going to hell in your world. Are you going to get them saved? You've been placed into their life for a reason. Church, let me tell you something. There's crooked all around us. My wife saw prostitutes on fig. So now she goes out in the late hours of the night ministering to them because she saw crookedness in the world and she's made a determination, I'm going to make it straight. It's just what Christians do. You're doing it. Do you remember when we wrote those prison letters? We sent thousands of letters to the prisoners. Now, prisoners, they've done some crooked things. That's why they're in jail. 
But we believe in the grace of God and redemption. So we sent those letters to thousands of people in in prisons in California. We've gotten hundreds back. In fact, we've realized that there's still a lot of crookedness going on in the prisons. Let me tell you why. One of our volunteers got a letter back. Hi, I'm not interested in Jesus, but I'm getting out in two years. Will you marry me? There's crookedness all around us. We live in L.A. Anywhere you look, you can see crooked. It's our calling. We've been placed here for a reason to set things in order. Not to go around it, not to ignore it, to recognize it and to deal with it, just like the Apostle Paul, so that we can see people saved. So let me do this. I'm going to reread to you Titus chapter 1, verse 5. But now, I'm going to personalize it. God speaking, for this reason, I left you in L.A. that you should set in order the things that are lacking. Would you pray with me? Our Father, we're so thankful that we have your word. And that your word comes straight from your mouth to our heart. And maybe there are many of us that realize there are things in my life that need to be set in order. And Holy Spirit, only you know. So if you're sitting in front of me and you know you need to start with your life and you need to set things in order, would you just lift up your hand so I can pray for you? Would you say, yeah, I need to start with me. There are things in my life that I need to set in order. Just lift up your hands as an act of surrender to God. Would you keep them lifted? Father, I pray for those that are humbly saying, I surrender. I've heard your word and I know there are things in my life I need to set in order. And I ask you, Jesus, would you move by the power of your spirit in this room and set them in order as people all over this room confess their sin to you. And Lord, I pray now for the power of the Holy Spirit. Our hands are lifted high now to receive that you give us the courage that Titus had to be countercultural and to make a difference in the world that you've called us to. You've got a reason. Help us to see it each and every day. To God be the glory in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.